everybody. Welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I am the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Hello, Erin. <laughs> the way you say it is, oh, it sounds like a, like a children's show or something. Well, yeah, I tried. I try to make this as child friendly as possible. <laughs> we got to hit all four quadrants. What are the four quadrants? Well, it's basically kids, adults, parents, and grandparents. Okay. But, I mean, the the actual four quadrants are men under 25, women under 25, men over 25, and women over 25. Did I tell you that I was, like, I was playing around on our Instagram? And, like, because it's, like, a business account for, like, learning the tropes, you could see all these insights of, like, who follows you? And it was like, you know, how many men, how many women? And it was women, 97%, men three. And I was like, okay, so basically Pat and Clayton follow us and like a few mm-hmm. of your friends and that's it. <laughs> but it made me laugh. So we're um, not hitting all those quadrants now, but. No, I don't, mm, I'm, I'm cool on the quadrants we got. I think I'm, I'm happy with it. I can just, I'll stay in my quadrant. That's fine. Yeah, I think, I think for this show, absolutely that being the predominant quadrant is fine with me. Um, and then, so I, I did put out a call for hundredth books on our Instagram, in our Facebook group. So if you have what you think will be a great hundredth book um, for us to read, let us know. I think next week, what we're going to do is we're going to discuss our, like the top five, sort of the ones that we keep hearing or the ones that we feel like could be good. Um, so if you want to, you know, plead your case, let us know. Yes. Yeah. The Facebook was popping. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, the the Instagram, too. It's a really I'm very happy we put out a call for this because you like our listeners are obviously the best and they were coming up with ones that I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah, obviously that should be it. So now the problem is going to be which one of these like really great choices as opposed to just like me texting you, frankly, uh, like frantically on a Monday night, like, oh, <laughs> we're going to read this one. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, uh, somehow that doesn't always work. But also it'll give us it's it's also good recommendations for maybe other episodes too, right? This this oh, totally. is generating a lot of great ones, but but we do need to make a hundred special. Yeah, we definitely need to make a hundred special. And I think but yeah, I mean a lot of these recommendations are books that I'm like, I don't know if that's a hundred for me, but that is definitely a book we like we have never read Elizabeth Hoyt, which I didn't realize until somebody mentioned it to me, and I'm like, that is Great. Like, she is one of my favorite authors. I have read all of her Maiden Lane series. Like, I really love her. And I'm like, how did I miss that we had never read her for the podcast? I think because I'm always just frantically reading her by myself. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we need to obviously do one of hers. But I don't know if she's 100. Anyway, so there's a lot of fun stuff coming up, guys. We're not going to die on the vine at 100. We're going to keep barreling through. And you know, what I'll, what I'll say is if you if you rate, review, and subscribe... And yet, in your in your rating, if you give us a five star rating and you put a book in there, you know it might might get us to pick it for a hundred, mm-hmm. uh, maybe, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> it's worth a try. Any way to get our attention? Yeah, that's the best way to get my attention. Is with five star reviews. It's with five star reviews. Yeah, you five do- star ratings. It's funny, like, we hang out in different areas, but you're hanging out in the reviews, because you'll be the one to alert us to a review. Yes. 
and us being me and Pat, I don't use the royal we. And then I'm normally an Instagram and Twitter. Um, all right. So this week, in the lead up to 100, <laughs> we read uh, Courtney Milan's The Duke Who Didn't. And let's judge this cover. Yeah, I like this cover a lot. I mean, this cover is an all-star cover. This is mm-hmm. a fan freaking tastic cover. Two yeah, it's beautiful people in an embrace. His white shirt is unbuttoned. I mean, everything I want. Her hand on his neck, mm-hmm. his hand on her neck in a very sensual way. It's it's yeah, it's it's really an awesome cover. Yeah. And this book just came out, so we don't have any alternative covers. No. Well, and also, this is like a departure for, because, like, obviously we're both big Courtney Milan fans here. We love the suffragette scandal. Mm -hmm. The Heiress Effect is, like, maybe one of my top five books. I mean, that's so hard to say, but I love it so much. Um, But her books always have a very specific look to them. And a lot of times, it's, like, a beautiful woman in a beautiful dress. I don't hate it. So this is a cover that just looks different than any other book, any other of her covers. And um, I just think it's really interesting. Well, you know, we've had this ongoing discussion of like cartoon covers or drawn covers or whatever, however you want to call it. And I feel like a lot of the discussion around that was like, if you have a book that features uh, people who aren't normally in these stock photos, then it's like impossible to get stock photos. So like I... I wonder how this cover also came to be if I'm, I imagine she probably hired these models, but like worth it. It's great. Not everybody has the opportunity to, to do this, but like, I think this is such a fantastic, I'm like in love with this cover. Great, great cover. Great cover. Yes. Love the cover. This is also a good cover because I was also imagining these models as the characters Mm-hmm. And sometimes these models, they either they look weird or they don't look like the characters and then it like kind of messes you up. But this, I was like, yeah, that's Jeremy. That's Chloe. Love it. Let's move forward. Perfect. Um, anyway, Clayton, what was this book about? So this book was about Chloe Fong, who lives in Wedgeford with her father, who is a amazing cook who got snookered out of his famous sauce recipe from two jerk offs <laughs> and he is focused on creating a new sauce that's even better an unnamed brown sauce and his daughter is obsessed with getting revenge on these two men who screwed her father and help him with this sauce but she's also a huge busybody who has a list that is endless and it's impossible for her to get to the end of. And we meet her when she's getting ready for a festival that they do every year in the town. And Jeremy Yu, or secretly the Duke of Lansing, uh, a.k.a. Posh Jim, Mm -hmm. usually shows up, but he hasn't showed up the last couple years. And she's been bummed, but then he just shows up out of the blue, and he is pretty hell-bent on marrying her at this point, because he made a mistake. They were 
they had a chance to kiss a couple years ago. He couldn't be serious enough in his own mind to go forward with it. And so they reconnect. And the rest of the book is them circling each other to the point where they can get together and make their love come to fruition. That was actually not bad. You did great. That was a wonderful one. Yeah, that was really good. It's it's funny when I do these, it's like I'm almost losing my way so many times. Because <laughs> I, I, do I go down this path? Do I go down this path? Do I go down this path? But this one, I think I did a good job of staying on the path. Well, I think the, the trap that you fell in at the beginning was you would try to really over-explain the meat cute or you would try to over explain like the first chapter of the book and then you'd be like yeah. and then like other stuff happens <laughs> it's like, the yeah yeah because then I, I would toss everything <laughs> off um what are you what were your thoughts well i thought that nothing really happened uh, yeah i mean okay so i I applaud this book, and I, I, I understand what, what Courtney was trying to do with it. Because after reading this book, I was looking a little bit into it. Because I normally don't do this, but I was, I was reading other people's reviews. And what a lot of people were saying is that they were – Courtney was trying to do a very positive romance without a dark moment. And I, I see that. I see that there's not that sort of moment of complete bottoming out, really, that a lot of romances can have or some sort of, like, heavy drama added into this book. Now, there is some heaviness when it comes to the, the racism or the, like, Jeremy's aunt. Mm-hmm saying, you know what, you should marry an English girl so you can, you know, in a few generations kind of forget about yourself, in, which is nuts, that was right? and, thinking, yeah. and dark, right? So that's, yeah. I'm not going to say that isn't a, there isn't a darkness to that, absolutely. But the, I, am I explaining that enough where it, it, it's, it's not like someone gets kidnapped or there's, violence or something like that right those kind of dark moments are not here and it's really about just two people hanging out reconnecting falling in love but but there just is so little going on the 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 festival that they're getting ready for it doesn't end up meaning really anything and we don't really even know exactly what it is so that's also interesting. Yeah. And um, like the trials, they're called the trials and they sound fun. And I don't want, I, and I wouldn't have wanted to get like really involved in the trials because that kind of stuff I think is also a sideline that I'm not really a fan of. But that was my main thing with this is that there's just very little conflict and there's also not much going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I liked the like, I liked what the characters were dealing with. Like I understood the conflict and I, at least their internal conflicts and I I enjoyed them enough, but as characters, I didn't find either of them really appealing. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
Chloe, especially with the lists, that that sort of personality is so antithetical to my personality that it is oil and water. <laughs> yeah. So so that was kind of difficult. And I just I felt like she acted a lot younger than she actually was. I think they both kind of did. They, they're supposed to be in their early 20s, but th- this felt like a teenage romance mm-hmm. in some ways to me. Mm-hmm. What, what was your thought? Similar. I think the thing, you know, Courtney wanted to write like a no conflict romance. And I think I realized that my favorite part of romance is conflict because it's like, and I've read low angst books. And I think that that is fine, like slice of life type situation. But I... I've been trying to think of like, cause obviously I am a huge Courtney Milan fan and I have read most, if not all of her books and she does a very good job of, um, hiding meaning in things. And then you read it or you read back and you're like, Oh my God, that meant that. And, and in these really beautiful ways. And I, I feel bad because like clearly because like I was reading her author notes and like obviously this was a book that like really meant something to her Mm -hmm. but I don't know maybe it was too too close or something because it just I agree it's like I wanted to really love Chloe and Jeremy but I felt like Chloe's was so inconsistent because she is this woman who is like super busy always has these lists but I never felt like she had a handle on the list. She's like yes. me with list making where like, listen, I'll make a list all the live long day. Am I following that list? No. Am I completing that list? Never. And so it's like, I, I don't. So I'm like, I don't get. So are we supposed to be like, oh, she is so she's running this town basically. But it seemed like she was constantly overwhelmed. She wasn't finishing anything like she had like a ton of procrastination. And so that personification was very odd. And then, like, I loved the scene of them in the coaching room and how, you know, they end up hooking up for the first time. I thought that that was really great. But it felt so different to her personality where she's, like, could not really talk about sex. And she was, like, really quiet about it. And she was like, I need you to be serious. And then he leaves for three years. And you never see her, like, unpack that pain it just felt discombobulated and like honestly it just felt like one or two full rounds of edits and maybe it, it would have been a little bit better I don't know I feel awful saying that because like I like I said I am such a Courtney fan and this is like the first time that she's really missed for me and mm-hmm. I'm like a little bit bummed that we're, <laughs> we're doing it for the podcast because it's like I know this is an exemplary of like what she can do um, yeah, because like on the way to the wedding was like transcendent, so good. Or after the wedding, I'm sorry. Um, I thought the characterization of like Mr. Fong was the only Chloe's father was the only one that I was like, I get this guy, I get who he is, I get what he wants, I get why he's doing what he's doing. Like, per, like he was great, but yeah, and Jeremy, it was just sort of like, um. The same thing where I was like, this is really weirdly, like, inconsistent. I don't really understand where he's coming from or what he wants. And also the fact that every time a secret was revealed, everyone was like, oh, yeah, cool. That's fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, the, the holding back of him uh, revealing his dukedom was so pointless at the end. Because, 
everyone knew, which is so funny because so this is a town that has like a, a very high like um uh you know people of Chinese descent population, and so they were like, you really thought there'd be one half Chinese duke, and like we wouldn't know about him. No, he was, yeah. <laughs> It was like, yeah, that's true. Like, that that's, would be something, like, people would mention. That's big news around here. Yeah. Like, we are yeah. very excited. Um, so I, that I, did, really I, did like there, I did like the conflict of a uh, hero that, uh, at, well, a, a hero who at some point might have to tell the heroine that you owe me rent. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't like showing landlords in a positive light, just in general. But I think in this case, it was okay. <laughs> but he was. So, but but the thing was, nobody had paid rent for like fifty years. Right. Exactly. So he's like, everyone's gonna be so mad at me when I say that I'm the duke because they're gonna think that they owe me money. But I'm like, honey, you're the duke. Just say like you don't owe me money. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is eventually what happens. Yeah. Everything gets solved so quickly or so without fanfare, and it's like. I, I get wanting to write, like, a low angst, uh, like I said, writing a low angst romance, like, that's fine. Like, not everything has to be, like, we don't need, like, a clay pass kidnapping in the, you know, with 15% left. But, like, yes, I need something. Because there was just, I'm, like, external or internal or just something. Because otherwise I'm, like, yeah, of course these two people are going to be together. Of course they're going to get married. Of course they'll be happy. Of course, you know what I mean? And it's, like. Obviously, a romance, we always know how it's going to end. And don't change that, for God's sake. But, like, I need there to be a moment of, like, how how will this end? And I don't feel like I ever had that because I was like, yeah, these two people seem like very, like, nice people. Um, and also the whole thing of, like, she's not cut out to be a duchess or it'll be bad or something. And it's like, I never understood that either. And I felt like in the suffragette scandal, there was like really an understanding of like, if free were to marry her guy, Edward, I think like her life would change in ways that she was not comfortable with. And I feel like I really understood that. But with Chloe, I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, your father is very sick. (laughs) Like you Mm -hmm. will have, you will be able to make him feel better. All of these things. So I'm like, I don't get how it's so bad other than like facing racism which i mean it's obviously yes a very big deal and is something to consider but i don't feel like that was even i don't know it's it's i don't want to just trash the book but i mean like she's like i'll create a list of how to be a duchess and then she just wrote duchesses do whatever they want and i feel like that was supposed to be this big like empowering moment and i was just sort of like yeah i mean they do yeah yeah (laughs) I, I agree with you with the list thing because she did seem like I have these lists and these lists rule my life, but she's not good at using lists. Right. I, I find I'm sure if I had the personality where I could make a list and systematically do those things and then cross them off, that would be really satisfying. But you know what's frustrating is making a list and not being the personality type to do things in order and strike them off and so i stopped making lists because i realized that they don't work for me i can get stuff done but i don't like to have a list there just lording over me and i think she was the same way but her person but the way she was described is she's just a list maker in all her lists and of course it, she could get all 
the stuff done on her list if she would just focus on the list and not complain so much about all the stuff she has to do on the list. Yes. And then the whole conceit of, I want you to make a list for me that Jeremy does where he says, I want you to make a list for me of wife material, things that a good wife would be, but I want them all to be just your personality traits. And for some reason she couldn't put it two and two together immediately that he wanted to be with her and was in love with her. That was so insanely frustrating because it's like we're in Jeremy's head and we are in Chloe's head. And it's like (sighs) Faded Mates just did an episode on Mary Baylaw's um, A Matter of Class, which is like an excellent novella. But a lot of the conceit of that book is like the characters are tricking themselves and us. And like it's so frustrating because it's like Chloe knows he's a Duke. Chloe knows all these things about her. But whenever we're in Chloe's mind, she is not acting like she knows he is a Duke. And she is not acting like she is with it. And so that's the thing, too. It's like so I'm like, is Chloe just super dense that she doesn't understand? Like he is talking about her. And there's no like. Chloe seems to have like perfectly good self-esteem and she seems to have been like raised with a lot of love and all of these things which is like good I don't need her to be either of those things but it's so it's like so why is she not picking up on this painfully obvious thing well I mean I will say that like the author wants it that way which is like really frustrating remember remember the list that she makes when she's a kid to try and have people like her where it says remember to smile people like that and things like that it might be she doesn't pick up on things that uh, the other people pick up on right which it's not spelled out but that could be an element there right because neurodivergent like it's like it's possible but then it's also like that also isn't followed followed yeah yeah where it's like, I think any of these things are fine, but then you need it to be, like, consistent. And I feel like the characters change, but just because they, like, change, but not in an organic way. Mm-hmm. Which is frustrating. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, it's, it's such a shame because I really want... I mean, we always want to like Oh, these books. I thought this was going to be a ringer. That we uh, were going to be coming in like, we love this book, we love everything. Win, win, win. And then I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, because even the start, the first chapter was a little rough. And I thought, you know, maybe it's just a rough start. Maybe it's 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 going to get better, more smooth. And then it just, like, never really did. And, I mean, positives, though. Let's talk positives. Yeah. I liked the talking about the immigrant experience. Mm-hmm. I thought was so interesting and the way that this community exists and the talking about the sauce um, as being like a hyper British English sauce made by, you know, obviously like an immigrant. But I thought I really loved that. And I also really loved the role of family and family expectations when the family members aren't there anymore. Like her relationship yes. to her mother was fantastic. His relationship 
to his mother who was living in China with her parents, I thought was really fantastic. Like all of that work was really good. And I really loved that. And I found that all very interesting. Yes. I also agree with that. And we've, it's been a while since we talked about food on this podcast and my reaction to how food is described in books. Normally, if I don't like the book, the descriptions of food make me want to vomit. And if I like the book, it makes me hungry. Now, this, this made me hungry. And let me tell you, I was reading this. So, okay. I, I do intermittent fasting. And are you still on the intermittent fasting? No, because then I looked it up and it's like menstruating women shouldn't do intermittent fasting. So I stopped. Perfect. I am not currently menstruating. So I am still doing it. Mm -hmm. But if nobody knows what intermittent fasting is, it means you normally you eat for eight hours and then you fast for 16. Most of the time that's just don't eat after 8 p.m. And then... Uh, don't eat breakfast, and you're pretty much there, right? Just start at lunch. It's a real gremlins situation. So <laughs> I, uh, I do that. It helps me with digestion and stuff like that. But that is all to say, reading this book while during my fast was difficult <laughs> because it was making me very hungry. Yeah. So I was sitting there being like, should I break my fast and just grab, and I by no means would have anything close to the quality of this food. I would probably just grab, I don't know, a banana or something like that, which would not even satiate me. So that's why I was like, well, you know, just enjoy, just enjoy the description and the thought of this food and eat afternoon. Anyway, that was very difficult. But I will say, I, I did think the description of food was very, very good. And it's very obvious how much food means to the characters in this book. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting, too, how much food means to immigrants kind of anywhere, people who have emigrated, like how much that changes, like that connection to home. Um, And also how like the people who live in Wedgford are from different areas of China, have different dialects, but are all kind of together uh, as well and sort of like how that happens too. I thought it was all like, you know, really, really interesting. I really liked, I really liked it a lot. I I guess I don't want to minimize the amount of difficulty that these characters would have in England at this time. Well, what I thought was really interesting about the personification of Aunt Grace, who is Jeremy's aunt and like kind of the woman who raised him because um, his mother is an only child and her parents are elderly. So she ends up going back to China to take care of her parents. And Jeremy is like the son of a Duke and like, there is a level of responsibility there. So he is staying and being educated in England. And so his aunt is the one who watches him. I really thought that was so interesting and nuanced that Jeremy recognized his his, his aunt loved him. And I think it's, you know, obviously it's like there has been, I mean, there's always been discussions about race in society in America, but I think, you know, since this summer, it's been something that like, I've certainly been thinking about a lot more and, um, 
kind of everybody has, which obviously is a good thing. But what I thought was really interesting is like Grace's way that she was showing love to Jeremy was to say, I love you despite the fact that you are half Chinese. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I'm doing the right thing because I love my nephew, even though he is Chinese. And Jeremy being like, I am, you can't love me despite who I am. Yeah, that (laughs) is so much of who I am. Right. Like, I am half Chinese. I am half English. I am English. But, like, you can't deny this massive part of myself and say, well, like, I don't want to acknowledge that, but I love you. You have to love the whole package of him. Um. And I thought that was really interesting because I think that, like, you know, growing up, whatever we would talk about race, it would be a sort of, like, um, it doesn't matter what somebody's color is. Which, like, I get the impetus behind that, but it's, like, obviously denying somebody's race or denying somebody's experience is not a way to accept them as a full human being. And Mm -hmm. so you have to start thinking about race differently. Or I have to. Other, you know, I'm not going to put how I was raised on other people. But I think it's like, it has to be that sort of reframing. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I think it's like I, that. I don't see color thing and how damaging that can be as a concept. But yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just wish, I just wish it, there was more there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just, it just, it, it's for a book about so much nur- like nourishing, delicious food. This felt like empty calories in a way. Yeah, it just wasn't, it was just, and it's also, it was also, it was just missing that thing. Cause I can also see like, oh, this is a low conflict book just about like childhood friends to lovers set during this like yearly fair that happens or something. And I, there, I don't know, there was just something missing for me. And I don't if it was like con- conflict or you know what there's no there was no stakes. Mm-hmm. I need stakes, and there was no po- moment where I was like, oh, these two might not end up happily, or this might go really wrong, or I mean, even the naming of the sauce. And the thing is, is like Courtney is so good at these like little moments that become the thing that sort of defines them. So I was like. The name for the sauce is going to be so fucking banging. I cannot wait to hear what they call the sauce because it'll make me cry. It's going to be so good. Wedgeford yes, Brown, uh, they name they name it after the town. Wedgeford Brown is that, what it ends up being. I know. Yeah, it's like that. That took you most of the book to come up with Wedgeford Brown, like, and I get the thought behind it because it's like this is like a very a sauce that is very exemplary of this town and everything. Cool. I don't know. I <laughs> wanted something more. But it's fine. What I did love that I thought was super fun. So at a certain stage, Courtney has blown off. I mean, not Courtney. Chloe has blown off yet another list. She's written a list mm-hmm. and she's like, screw it. Because her father is having issues with rheumatoid arthritis. And she needs this um, medicine from London. I'm sorry. No, wet wind disease, right? Wasn't that what they called it? Yeah. It's one of those. Th- I mean, that's what they called it back then. But it was... I know. I'm just joking. But like, oh. yeah, that was that was very that was that's what they used to call it. Right. It was wet wind inflamed joint disease. Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is yeah. actually rheumatoid arthritis, as you said. Um, but I like wet wind because that makes sense, because like mm-hmm. I will sometimes when it's right now where it's kind of cold and wet, you know, you feel it in your joints. So it makes sense. Wet wind. Yeah. 
That's yeah. That's when it's like the worst, probably. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so she blows off a list to go and get him the medicine, which is great. But there's all there's all these weird things of like. Um, Jeremy not wanting to admit that he has a footman, so he keeps saying like my person, and I'm like, my person is imminently more creepy than my footman. <laughs> yeah, if I, my person. If, <laughs> if no. I had just a guy hanging out, and I said, oh, that's my person, it's, it's so many more questions involved in that, right? You guys, yes. the next time you see me, and there's a guy hanging out, and he's really well dressed, and I say, oh, that's just my person. You guys are gonna be like. That's your servant. Like, what are you? <laughs> you're supposed to be saving money right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. And he names his horse Chloe, which, like, I think it's supposed to be sweet, but is a little creepy. Fine. Anyway, so they go to the inn. And she's like, well, if there's only one room, then that'll be fate. And we'll, we'll fuck if there's only one room. And she's like, jazz, because she's like, there's a, we're going to bang. I'm excited about it. So love Chloe for that. And then they go in and at first the guy's like racist and he's like, no room. And then Jeremy's like, I don't know. I have a ton of cash. And he's like, we have rooms. <laughs> um, the, like, yeah. Universal leveler. Yeah. And he's like, we have four. And Chloe's like, no, you have one. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy was like, no, we have four. I loved that. And then basically um, Jeremy finally relents and they go up to the room and, you know, they've, they're dirty. And so they take off all their clothes and, Chloe really like doesn't have to necessarily seduce him, but I thought those were, that was like a really nice scene of like, you know, Jeremy has a lot of bravado and he's a jokester and he puts up this really big front, but he was actually like extraordinarily nervous and he was a virgin and he wasn't sure what to do, but he wanted to do the right thing and all those things. Like I thought that was also a really lovely scene. I, I found the only one bed, the forced only one, uh, one room situation to be kind of almost a comment on romance novels in the sense that the only way we really can do this and feel okay with it is if it's the only option. So Mm -hmm. I kind of, I did like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, that was, that was really fun. I would say if you have interest in reading this book, read it because, um, you know, this is just our opinion as well. Here's the other thing about the cover. Love the cover. Super hot. These are two people who like, I don't know if they just met that day, but they seem like they're, like, about to actually fuck. Mm-hmm. The, that level of heat is not reflected in the book, and that made me feel <laughs> mad, too. Yeah, Like, I yes. never felt like these people were – it was, like, two kind people who should end up together. I never felt that, like, overwhelming, like, oh, my God, if, I don't, if I'm not with this person, I'm going to die, or, like, this, like, overwhelming passion or anything that you would think you would get from that cover – it was just sort of like they had sex and it was good sex. They have sex again up against a tree. Love it. That was great too. But it's like the level of heat that I expect from that cover is never really reflected in the book, which is like, you know. Yeah. Is what it is. You got to come with it. Well, so speaking of which, the big question would you fuck them? I'll, ultimately, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, they did sound very, like, attractive. I mean, Chloe has the personality that I hate the most, which is somebody who always is saying that they're very busy but don't doesn't do anything to solve the busyness. And then it's just, like, anytime you're like, how are you? Oh, I'm so overwhelmed, and I have this, and I have this, and I have this. Or I just, like, that personality of that, like, 
I'm going to make myself seem important because I'm always busy, but it's not real. Um, just really. So not Chloe, actually, because like I would be exhausted by that and it would really annoy the shit out of me. But like probably mm-hmm. Jeremy. Jeremy seems really fun and hot. I'm in. You? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I would probably do Jeremy. But I, I, I for those same reasons, I, I probably would have a very hard time with Chloe. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, I would do Jeremy, but I, I don't know if I could do Chloe. Fair. Um, Goodreads list? Let's do it. So it is on like a solid amount of lists for being such a new book, but a lot of the bo- a lot of the lists were like upcoming, like excited to read type lists, which is like great, but it doesn't really tell me much about the book. Um, so first we have romance novels with Asian heroines, upcoming and current. True. New York Times 100 Notable Books of 2020. I, I'm not going to verify that, but I'm assuming that it's true. It is true. And that also is like, I guess everybody has their own experience reading a book because this wasn't one of my top of 2020, but whoever put it on the list, it was for them. So I'm, I'm happy they enjoyed it. Um, low angst historical romance. Yes. Yes. Books by Asian authors with Asian people on the cover. Yes. I've loved you for years. Oh yeah. That's like one of my favorite lists. I love that. I love an unrequited, like so good. Um, books featuring multiracial main characters. True. We didn't talk about the fact that Chloe's father is actually her uncle. Why? Yeah, that reveal was weird. Because honestly, when that happened, and so she has this bracelet. At at one stage, Chloe's father is basically like, I'm actually your uncle. Your sister, my sister was your mother. This is a secret I've kept from you. I was like, oh no, is Chloe related to Jeremy? (laughs) Was my first thought. Yeah, And I was like, oh boy, this is going to be awful. But it, it wasn't that, and like, do we ever find out who her father is? I, I don't think so. It's so bizarre to me because then I was like, okay, well, is this something like, is the next book like Mr. Fong's love story or something? I, I was just like, I don't understand why we needed to know this. Mm-hmm. Like, I anyway, it didn't seem to change anything for the characters. And obviously, like, he raised her. He's her father. But it's like, it's... It, I, I, I was just like, why? This is so weird. It didn't throw her into a tailspin. I don't know. Okay. And then um, the last list, Virgin Heroes of Historical Romance. Yes, he's a virgin. Um, There you go. Those are the lists. I think good lists. Clayton, what are your tropes? Uh, Rich hero, poor heroine. We got to sauce these jars. There's a lot of talk <laughs> about putting sauce in jars and how difficult that was going to be for her. It's yeah. like, just go and put the sauce in the jars. Just do Stop it. talking just about it and do just it. do it. Oh, my God. Just it was ins- do and it. then she just had her father do it. That was her solution. She was like, ah, my dad will do it. And then the scenes between Jeremy and Mr. Fong are, are actually very sweet as well. Mr. Fong always makes Jeremy's food insanely spicy as like <laughs> yeah, a little bit of yeah. a fuck you, which I thought was chef's kiss that was so good yeah um and yeah and then the scenes where he's like they're like jeremy is helping him with the sauce and stuff like really really lovely i liked those as well but that was fun yeah Yeah. and obviously and and like everybody 
he knew Jeremy was the Duke. He's known it for forever and he says it and it's like, Oh, you, you know? Yeah. Okay. Everybody knows. We all know. He's like, I don't know if you've noticed I am Chinese. And so other people like, yeah, I feel like when I say from New Hampshire, people are like, Oh, do you know this other person in New Hampshire? So it's like, I get him (laughs) like, yeah, it's always so funny. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Continue. No, not at all. Not so secret Duke. Mm-hmm. List making heroin. Hero owns heroin's town, which is a new one. Bad ants, because I will say Jeremy is a bad ant. Grace uh, is a bad ant. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Fong is a good dad slash good uncle, but actually maybe a bad uncle because lying about being a dad makes you a bad uncle. So he's a good dad, but a bad uncle. Um, Only one room, childhood sweethearts, and heroin owes hero decades of rent, <laughs> which I think is a new one. But uh, Aaron, what were your tropes? I mean, I know I already talked about, like, the reveal that he's her uncle, but it's also, it's like, why did he have to lie about it? Because it's not like he was then, like, hiding her from from the father's family or something. Like, like there was no reason he couldn't have just said her entire life, like, I'm your uncle. I take care of you. And she would have been like, okay, I'm a child. I'm going to accept literally anything you tell me. Mm-hmm. So weird. Okay. My tropes. Childhood friends to lovers. Hiding a true identity from love interest, only one bed, virgin hero, heroin leading sex. She was really the one that was like pushing them to have, like not pushing in like a gross way, but she was the one like driving that having sex. Uh, Parentage, which I thought was something that was reflected a lot in the book of like, you know, what you inherit from your parents. Cooking in romance, small town romance, a type A heroine. I've loved you so long, rich hero, poor heroine. And then we meet once a year because they only ever met once a year during the Wedgford trials. That's Do we true. know what the Wedgford trials were? We don't know. Chloe had to hide a ball. That's that's all we know. We hear but it was about- fake. It was a fake one. It wasn't a real one because they had to hide a fake one so that they you, you, the other teams can't find the real one. And then there's token hiding as well. We spend all that time leading up to the trials, and then on the day of the trials, we're like, oh, yeah, they were over. Okay. <laughs> Which, I mean, I am kind of glad, though. I, d- I did not want to hear about token hiding or token finding, I guess, at that point, because the hiding had already been done. I mean, we've talked about Star Champion before, but, like, Star Champion is the one that did it the best, where they are like, here's enough that you know what is happening, but I'm not going to describe it every time. So you're just going to know it went well, it went poorly. And I'm like, that's what I need to know. And I feel like with this, it was like, all this talk about the Wedgford Trials, they sold a shit ton of bow. Love it. They sold out all of their sauce. Great. Um, What happened with the trial? It wasn't even like this team, like, maybe it was this team one or something at that stage. I was over it. But, like... I was like, I don't, why, we spent so much time preparing for these, and I don't really know why. <laughs> uh, anyway, Clay, what has you swooning this week? All right, so I'm swooning about an album that I am obsessed with, I'm listening to constantly, mm-hmm. and it's an album by an artist named Lobby Sifri, probably saying that wrong, but it's L-A-B-I- S-I-F-F-R-E. The reason I'm spelling it is because people 
look this album up. It's an album from the 1970s and 1972 to be exact. It's called Crying, Laughing, Loving, Lying. It is a folk singer who released this album back in the 70s. And it is beautiful. And I'd never heard of this artist before. And I just can't get enough of this album. I will say the first song is called Saved. Mm-hmm. And it is not great. It is not indicative of the rest of the album. So if you listen to that and don't like it, keep going forward because the rest of it is really, really awesome. And it got re-released a few years ago with bonus tracks and stuff. I was listening to it on Spotify and then I ended up just buying it because I liked it so much. But if you're looking for a winter into spring album to listen to, I would say this is this is right up that alley. So it's Lobby Sifri, Crying, Laughing, Loving, Lying. Listen to it. It's just I I really, really am into it. Nice. Yeah. So Aaron, what has you swooning? Um, I don't normally swoon about like other romance novels, but I think I'm going to start now that we have like our week where we're not reading for the podcast. I've been able to read so many more. So now I'm, I want to start talking about the ones that I have read, but we probably won't do for the podcast for various reasons. Um, and I read the second in T- Tessa Bailey's, I, I read Runaway Girl, really good. And then I read a book that is going to be coming out on the 30th. So it'll be out by the time this podcast is out. And it's called Scoundrel of My Heart. It's by Lorraine Heath, who is my, like, I love her so much. Um, It's a historical. It's about a duke who is, um, his father was a traitor. And so he's stripped of his titles and he has to try to, like, come back and, um, get his money back and he opens up a gaming hell and like brothel and the woman he loved when he was like the second born son of a duke is still around and they it it's just so good Lorraine Heath is amazing for some reason she's having like a funny resurgence on Twitter a lot of people are reading Texas Destiny which obviously we read for the podcast love um, and it is that's the Texas trilogy is like a pinnacle trilogy book is so so good if you haven't read that i'll swoon about that every day but i so this is her newest book coming out and it's really fantastic and it's very her um and i had so much fun reading it so if you are looking for a new book right now i would say scoundrel of my heart by lorraine heath is fantastic great so like we said don't forget to rate review subscribe um also if you want to put in your review the book that you want us to do for number 100 or just like any old book let us know we'll always be adding it to our list of over 100 our list of books to read is it's quite long now as well but we love so getting books, those recommendations books you want us to read plus euphemisms for genitalia mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but if you do put both of those Please differentiate. See, I went for it and I shouldn't have. God damn it. Uh, make sure we know the, di- the difference between the two. Which one is a book and which one is a euphemism. Right. Because I don't want to start having to try to find a book called Long John Silver. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, please do that. But, uh, but otherwise, yeah, you guys are doing such a great job 
with rating, reviewing, and I, I, I say subscribing because I, I really don't know how many subscribers we have, like, technically, but, like, you're doing a good job of that, I'm sure, as well, so. I always thought that was a funny one because really it's well. like, I don't know, you guys just listened to an episode. Do you want to hear more? Then subscribe. <laughs> if you guys exactly, yeah. Don't, then, then don't subscribe. I don't know. I, I don't know who's, like, Googling us every Thursday or every Wednesday, like, oh, do they have a still around? Guys, yeah. are they still around? We can make this so much easier for you. Just subscribe. And then you just download automatically. I um, wonder if there is a, a fan who was after almost 100 books and, what, like 140-plus episodes still so on the fence with us <laughs> that they have held off on subscribing. It's just too much there. It's too much of a commitment. You know, the, this next one could be the one that just sends me away. So whoever that person is, you're stingy. But I like it. I kind of <laughs> like it. I respect that a lot. Yeah. They're just not committing. They won't commit. Yeah, I respect that, and I don't want them to subscribe. Continue. Enjoy the way you enjoy. Um, you can always email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts. Let us know, did you love the Dooku didn't? Let us know why we're wrong. Let us know books you want us to read. Sort of, you know, any thoughts, feelings, let us know. Um, we are on Twitter at Learning Tropes. Um, and we are on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. Um, and then finally, we have our Facebook group, The Learning the Tropes True. Come join us there. I didn't talk about, so I, you know, studied abroad in Northern Ireland uh, in 2004 and five, so like forever ago. And somehow all, like a group of people that I was friends with at that time, we've started like reconnecting. Um, and two of them are big romance novel fans and I had no idea. And they joined the troop, uh, like a bunch of them joined the troop and I, it makes me laugh. Very That's sweet. such a small world. I know. So go in the troop. If you see Bree or Abby or Anne, those are all um, my friends of like over 20 years. Um, wow. I found out That's one cool. of my friends is now a crime season investigator, and I'm like, oh, fascinated. Any Okay. Also, we have merch, which is in our show yes. notes. So go if you want a t shirt or anything. Um, one day we'll put up more than one design. It won't be today. <laughs> No, but. it definitely won't be today. No. It's on my list. One day. But. Yeah, listen, it's on our list. We have so much else to do. But as we've said many times during this podcast episode, uh, we don't ever go follow our list. We'll be waiting no. a long time. So you're not a list person either, right? Oh, I am a list person in that I make lists. I have actually a special notebook that is just a list notebook. And all I do is like, as I cross things off the list, I'm like, this deserves a new page. And then I just move things I didn't do to the next page. And I still do. One of them is create a website for myself. I have, I have never, and I will never. How old is that item? Oh, six months easy. Am I oh, I thought it'd be like years. Oh no, yeah. Am I, have I been paying for Squarespace that entire time? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, everyone. Oh my gosh. Is there anything there? No. Would it be? Would it be me? Would it be? Will I continue to pay Squarespace? Yes. <laughs> um. Oh yeah. I guess if anyone else, if anyone builds websites for cheap, let me know. I will engage with you because I cannot do it myself. Um. And all right, guys. Well, happy reading. We'll see you next week. Bye. Happy reading.